though the the ability of the, the Blue Jays to, to um, sit upon upon a throne of solo home runs still amazes me to this day. That is the cheeky, cynical, <laughs> but also semi-maybe realistic answer. Um, it's like, now let's do a group text message. Like, what? That's what my baseball team does when they want to see where people are meeting for a drink. <laughs> And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 177, where we can't decide whether to lead with the plague ship or the view into the abyss angle on the 2020 MLB season. I am still your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as ever, by the uh, shining example of reason and rationality that is Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? Oh, geez. I feel like I have to be have some kind of very measured response to that after that buildup. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Mm, it's good to know. Yes. Shall we move on, sir? Uh, sure. We, <laughs> we have baseball games to talk about, uh, seven of them to start the season. Um, Blue Jays are three and four. We're going to talk about how much better or worse that could have gone had, had the games been managed a little differently. Uh, we don't have our favorite Blue Jay, I think, probably veteran anyway, uh, at the back of the bullpen at the moment. Where we do have Teoscar Hernandez tearing the cover off the ball. We have the Phenom in the starting rotation for reals. Um, generally, there was a lot going on with, more with the pitching, I think, than with the hitting with the Blue Jays. We have some questions from you. Uh, then we're going to give... Uh, our view on the do-over that MLB wishes they got from us. Yeah, and uh, and other scheduling concerns, etc., etc. Um, yeah, I think I think that about gets us going. So here we are in what we call the Major League Baseball season 2020, the most absurd sprint towards a brick wall that I have ever witnessed. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way of describing it. <laughs> Uh, uh, so the Blue yeah. Jays have, have not been exposed at the moment to the virus. So we're just going to, we'll start with every, every win is like 2.7 wins. So every loss is like 2.7 losses um, is, is one way to think about it. The Blue Jays started in Tampa and I felt like I I was just disappointed by Charlie Montoyo slapping a happy face on what turned out to be a couple of very poor, um, late decisions in games that just plain should have gone better. What 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 was the first egregious one to you? Was it Sam Gavilio in in a high leverage situation? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I guess it was. I mean, you know, in that game, AJ Cole had pitched ten innings or ten, thrown ten pitches <laughs> the inning before the, game, the inning before Wagasback, who is better than Gavilio, which we talked about in our last podcast. Uh-huh had not yet pitched. So yeah, going to Gavilio with that first high leverage spot in the second game of the season when they're tied was not, not good. And it turned out precisely how one would have feared it would have turned out, which is to say, um, with Blue Jays losing the game. Yeah. (laughs) Gavilio imploded and it went very poorly. And then the Blue Jays lost. Uh, and then, um, there was also a, uh, was it game, Four, where things three. went three, 
where it looked very much like the Blue Jays were. I'll never say cruising at the trop, but they they were ahead before to one, and they were there were two outs and nobody on. <laughs> Seems like that's where you want to be if you're if you're anywhere. The three run lead is is pretty solid. What went wrong there? Uh, Ken Giles' elbow. <laughs> oh yes, yes, and who fit like okay. I'm I I know Twitter is, you know, 2020 hindsight, but before anything happened, Ken Giles was clearly not comfortable on the mound and yet continued to pitch. Yeah, I don't get this. I mean, there's a lot of failure to go around here. Giles gets some of it and so does Pete Walker, but so does Charlie Montoyo because I mean, it was obvious, like everyone watching the game on TV could tell he wasn't right. His fastball was way down in velocity. He was nowhere close with it. And he was wincing on every single pitch. So how they let him stay in there to keep walking the ballpark, I just, I don't get it. It does not make any sense. My feeling is, I mean, you win the game, you lose the game. That's... I, it's it's secondary even at this point when you suspect there's an injury involved and velocity drops and injury are are you know the clearest line between uh, a problem and a symptom that that baseball pitchers have right there, there's wildness and there's velocity drop so you know that Ken Giles is probably hurt whether you win or lose that game based on whether Ken Giles comes in or goes out or anything that that's immaterial it's you're trying to protect. Giles' arm for later, and that just didn't seem to occur to anyone that there might be a long-term implication of every single time he amps it up and tries to throw ninety-five miles an hour or harder, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like it, it was, it, it was negligent when it came to his health. Like he, he, meaning Charlie Montoyo and Pete Walker. I mean, they just did not look after their player, and then he got injured. I mean, that's like it'd be one thing if. Even then, like, so they went out, Pete went out, Pete Walker went out and talked to him. And clearly Jaws convinced him he was fine. I'm not sure how. Well, that's, um, that's a problem right there. The, the, the job here is, is not to find out, you know, it's to tell the pitcher he has a problem at this point. If he tells you he's fine, that's great. I'm, I'm, but I can see that the results you're getting aren't good enough. For, to, for you to justify saying that i know you want to be a trooper i appreciate that you feel like you have to say that but now as a, as a coach or a manager i'm stepping in and saying no you've lost three miles an hour or four miles an hour off your fastball since two nights ago right Sorry. no I, I mean I, t- I totally agree with you but even then safe somehow you're like you're like you know what yeah like my, i was just off with my landing and that's why it was like okay okay fine the very next pitch the first pitch to the next batter he threw it winced and walked off the mound and walked around it's like that you can't get him like like mm-hmm. clearly, and they, they let him. They let him throw three more pitches. It's just like, why? I, I, I don't know. It was it was bad. Um, and then and, we got to see the uh, the unfortunate. The Blue Jays scored a run, I believe, in the top of the tenth. Did they not? Yes, they did. In the new intra, extra inning nonsense, after a crazy slide from uh, I think it was Espinal at third. Yeah, and then Shun Yamaguchi gets the ball, and. Fails to impress everybody. <laughs> I, okay, okay. So like we're you know we're, we're we'll get onto some of this later, but like we're just sending him a Gucci. I feel bad for this guy. Like the first two times he pitches in North America are in the goofy extra inning nonsense where the go ahead run or tying run is standing at second base with nobody out when you come in. 
I mean, he didn't help either time by walking a bunch of people and then giving up triples, but yeah. Yeah. So that was, so I mean, you, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You mentioned those Montoya comments briefly a second ago. Like, we were going to give a do-over. This is what it would be. After that the, that Rays game that we're talking about right now, where they blew it and then blew it again, <clears throat> he said, you know what's funny? Everybody's asking me all kinds of stuff. I was right there in the entrance telling people, man, great. We're competing with one of the top five teams in baseball, though, those guys right there. All of a sudden, you lose games like this. Now people are looking for stuff. We played great. We just didn't finish it. Every game, three good games. We couldn't get the last three outs there. Talk about sounding like a guy who's been a minor league manager his whole life. Yeah. It's like this is not the tri-league. I mean, this is the team with the guy who said that. This is the yeah. get it done league. There are no points for hanging with them for eight innings. Like that yeah. that that well, is an abject failure of a major league franchise. Yeah. Moral victories are not victories, they're losses. <laughs> yeah. And it's precisely that attitude that you can't have in a major league ball club during the season. If you want to talk about it during spring training, you know, we're getting things together. We're putting the, all the ingredients together. If you want to talk it during a lost season, i.e. if you've already, you know, you're 20 games under 500, you brought a bunch of, of, of kids up, you've traded for somebody, you're trying to put things back together and you're still competing, maybe. Maybe it, you know, it counts towards next year's morale. But this is game three of a very, very short season. It's the, in my opinion, the worst time to possibly be, hey, oh, shucks, we'll get him next time. No, there, there ain't no next time. Next time, you, you lost 100 games of flexibility. There is no next time. Yeah, every game matters so much more, as we talked about on the last podcast with the goofy math. And, you know, the Jays have a better chance to make the playoffs with the adding the 16 <laughs> the playoff teams at the, right before the first pitch of the season, which was crazy in itself. But it's, games matter. Just treat them as though they do. Don't patronize us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Ken Giles, how badly is he hurt? I guess is the the ultimate question here. They still I don't, don't have an answer for that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say, and I'm not sure we have an answer that we. I mean, I guess, I guess, hey, he's got to go in for Tommy John or something is is a, the kind of answer you don't want definitively. Yeah, I, I saw a quote. I wish I could. Here it is. Blue Jays, this is from Shai Davidi. Blue Jays GM Atkins, very optimistic Ken Giles will pitch again soon. He got a PRP injection. Um, he has a very mild strain in the flexor muscles of his right forearm. Oh, so we do have a diagnosis. What do you know? As soon as we figure out how long a mild strain takes to heal, you'll let us know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, as far as things, though, that he could have had, given what it looked like, yeah. this is definitely the best possible option. Yeah. I, I just, it, it seems like Ken Giles will come, be healthy, look good, and then and then last couple of years, something has, has not been quite right. So I hope that that does not recur, um, because he is awesome when he's on. Agreed. Uh, another dude who's awesome when he's on, as I saunter on over to the brightest spot in the Blue Jays lineup, is Teoscar Hernandez, who... Probably would not have got nearly as much playing time, except that Bo Bichette got hurt. It's... Well, I think he's going to play every day, but he wouldn't have been hitting leadoff. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I mean. He he, he got a, a bunch more plate appearances, relatively speaking, uh, and took full advantage. Two home runs in one night. 
Yeah, he's got four already in the season. Only three people in Major League Baseball have four home runs at this point. He looks really good. And, and he has he not looked good since the middle of last season? Was wasn't this the case people were making for Teoscar Hernandez? Yes, it was. Uh, I mean, so we were talking about the the short season very briefly last week, and one of the guys who last year in his sixty game stretch had an incredible season was Teoscar Hernandez, and you know if, if he can actually continue this and turn this into an actual real step forward, it's going to be huge for the Blue Jays. Yeah, um, he's never going to be an outfield superstar, but nope. a superstar with the bat is extremely valuable because the Blue Jays do have trouble coming up with corner outfielders who can consistently perform uh, you know, at that high level. So, yeah, we, we've, we've always been waiting for one of these guys who they keep you know cycling through to pan out and... At the moment, it looks like maybe, you know, hitting the ground running here, Teoscar is about to prove his worth, which would be super cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously what he's doing right now is a little unsustainable. Well, he's no, got no, a 70% yeah. hard hit rate. <laughs> it's kinda... I'm, I'm talking about keeping that AP, uh, the OPS, uh, you know, up over that 800, 850 range. It's very doable. I yeah, mean, The exactly. power has always been real, right? It's just about whether oh, yeah. he can make enough contact. And he's, he has openly said that he's trying to make some adjustments to do that, and so far, so good. Shall see. Uh, the Blue Jays did absolutely no roster manipulation whatsoever. And just by coincidence, um, a spot opened up for Nate Pearson in the rotation the very day that he no longer qualified for that extra year of arbitration and control. <laughs> this was like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the day his debut date was announced before the season started when he was not on the roster. Yeah. Like not announced, but leaked. Yeah. And lo, lo it hath come to pass. Now, here's the thing, though. I said this on Twitter. I think that actually it made a lot of baseball sense to do it this way, like regardless of service time, to have him pitch the, the fifth game because they wanted to give Ryu an extra day of rest the first time through anyway. And then that way you could have Hatch and K and not have to add, take someone off the 40-man roster ahead of time. So, like, all of that actually made sense. But that said, it was still 100% service time. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I think I think everyone's resigned to the way that that's the way the system is going to work. Since um, if if other teams are to play it that way and you're not, you're just handcuffing yourself. So it's the system that has to change, not the Blue Jays' behavior. Yeah, they, I mean, it would be malpractice not to do it when all you have to do is keep him down for an extra two or three days beyond when he normally would have pitched. So lucky Mr. Pearson gets to go head to head with Max Scherzer to to debut, which. I mean, obviously, he's not pitching, you know, against Scherzer, uh, but it it is certainly a challenging assignment, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> the best pitcher of the generation, maybe? Him or Kershaw? That's pretty yeah. tough. Um, interestingly, I did look at the line score at one point, and it was uh, 75 pitches, 47 strikes for Scherzer with, um, it was something like, Eight air out, eight ground outs, two fly outs, or something, and then seventy-five pitches for Pearson with forty-eight strikes and like seven and three. Pearson had five strikeouts and two walks. Scherzer had eight strikeouts and two walks. I'm like, you know, and no runs for either of them. I'm like, I, 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 I think that's about as excellent as you could hope it to be. 
the it lived up to whatever billing there could have been for Nate Pearson. The only thing he did not do that everyone could hope for was throw 100 miles an hour. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he threw one pitch to Carter, poor Carter Keeboom. So in Keeboom's first at bat, he just he blows a 96 mile an hour fastball past him. It's like, okay, you know, he could have hit that maybe. His second at bat, it was like slider, slider. And then 99 at the knees on the outside black. It's like unhittable. You just, you literally can't do anything with that pitch. And Pearson was most excited that I, I saw one of his comments was about the fact that his secondary stuff was what worked for him. He really had um, feel for the changeup and the, the slider. And does he throw a curveball? He like. yeah, threw one really nice curveball to Trey Turner. Um, so the fact that he had the feel for that, it seemed to give him some confidence that he didn't have to be perfect with a hundred mile an hour fastball. Um, because he, his assumption is, you know, they they are going to catch up to a hundred miles an hour if I don't have, um, that ability to keep them working off of, uh, you know, guessing off of my other stuff. Yeah. And this is kind of one of the scary things about this Scherzer outing because his fastball wasn't that great in this game. The velocity was fine. Like I said, he topped at 99, but his command of it wasn't as good. Um, just from the scouting reports, Nate Pearson can throw 103 and he can throw his slider at like 93 miles an hour. He wasn't doing that. So this is him with down stuff. <laughs> That's what he did. Yeah, this is this is him like, OK, I'm. I feel good about where I can put it, but it's not nearly as loose and as fast and loose as it's been in the past, which is wild. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just a magical debut. He looked so good. Yeah, and left with the game tied. And then uh, when did the wheels fall off on that one? Uh, well, technically, not till the 10th, but uh, <laughs> there was another, some more man managing foibles in this one, too. This was the other one. In the... Eighth inning, bottom of the eighth, because the Jays were the home team. <laughs> um, after they'd won the first two games of the series, by the way, which we should mention, they, that the, entering this game, they were three and two. Um, in the eighth inning, they had Anthony Alford got on uh, got on to lead off the inning, or he was pinch running, and they put up Espinal to bunt, but Alford stole second. But they still had Espinal try to bunt, even with two strikes against Max Scherzer, which, like, Bunting against Max Scherzer under normal circumstances is really, really hard. Doing it with two strikes, it's like it's inexcusable. Like that, no way that should be allowed to happen. And yet, foul bunt, end of at bat. Yeah, and then with with Alfred on third because he got there on a, an errant pickoff anyway. Right away after, uh, Fisher got on first base and. For some reason, they didn't send Fisher, even though there was maybe a 5% chance that Kurt Suzuki with his noodle arm was going to throw the ball to second base, because if he did, Alfred would have scored. They didn't send Fisher, and then Tasker Hernandez didn't do a double play right away. It's just like, oh, like everything that like should be happening or should not be happening is. So, yeah, like it's early, right? And, Tess, you know, and Charlie Montoyo, he, he might be really, really good at the other stuff, but his tactics are not good no and probably we're gonna be talking about more of that um okay so in general you wanted to talk about um pitching as it were yeah so the pitching especially the starting pitching Hyunjin Ryu is high which I'll get to in a second has been really really good surprisingly so I would have to say 
Um, I mean, this is what one and a half turns through the bird. Not even yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's six games in, but or seven, I guess. Um, so the re- two reuse starts were not very good, but Shoemaker was excellent. Thomas Hatch in his MLB debut was excellent, and then followed up by Anthony Kay, who was very good. And then Tanner Rourke was excellent. And Nate Pearson, who we talked about, it was just you know, Trent Thornton. And then Trent Thornton was fine. You know, he didn't get up a lot of, he didn't pitch that well, but he <laughs> minimized the damage. Uh, I think you are giving Trent Thornton all of the credit in the world because I believe he had 10 base runners in the first three innings <clears throat> and somehow no runs. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like he, he minimized the damage by getting double plays when he needed to. He was the least like successful of these guys. But then the bullpen guys too, other than the bad bullpen pitchers, who we know are the bad pitchers, they all did really, really well. Jordan Romano looks like one of the best relievers in the game. I, I am I am surprised that like I mean obviously um, Anthony Bass is doing fine when he's called upon to close so far, but I I, I can see. Jordan Romano closer if Ken Giles is off for an extended period of time just with things getting shuffled around because I mean he's everything you want right guy throws hard has nasty breaking pitch scares the crap out of people yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's got he already has closer weirdness with that squat he does before every pitch I, I think that he's the heir apparent I mean if Ken Giles is not back next year Jordan Romano will be the closer. I mean, he's throwing in the upper 90s with a wipeout slider at 90. That's just so tough. Yeah, yeah. It's it's intimidating. And and the harder I got guy throws for that last inning, the more you feel he fits the, the mold, I think. However, you know, cliche that might be. Yeah, and then so you got these other guys behind him, though. Like, Cole has looked fine. Bass has looked good. Barucky, Kay, Thornton. Not Thornton, Hatch. You know, like, there's a bunch of guys that are going to be in the bullpen who are all very useful. And even Dolis, aside from his early bouts of control problems, like he's looked a lot better the last couple of times out and been what we thought he was going to be. So the bullpen could actually be not bad, especially if Giles really does come back at some point soon. Yeah, I mean, we we will see. So it's nice to have a a bright spot because, I mean, the the runs have not been, you know, coming in bunches, to say the least. Though the the ability of the the Blue Jays to... to, um, sit upon upon a throne of solo home runs it still amazes me to this day doesn't matter what season it is it's really i mean their consistency is impressive <laughs> it's like yeah. it doesn't matter who we put on this roster it doesn't matter who's managing it doesn't matter anything you know what you know frankly uh we're gonna hit solo home runs that's just what we do around here that's yeah it's great to talk about you because it's here's one of the things where it's very hard to tell because of the weirdo abridged ramp up to this i don't know what's going on but his velocity is down i mean ryu's not not a power pitcher to begin with but his fastball usually sits in the low 90s and will touch 94 ish it's not doing that and when he's not throwing hard enough then his off-speed stuff doesn't play up as much because there's people can just sit back and wait yeah, that change up needs to be changing up from somewhere, right? That's the the biggest yeah. thing for him. And and his cutter especially, normally it sits around 88, tops at 91, 92. It's topping at 87 and sitting at it just above 84. So 
again, it's early and it, the, you know, it's so hard to, to judge this stuff because of the way the season has gone. But it's something, something we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward because if he doesn't get that back, it'll be scary. And it's it's not you making excuses here yet. either. I don't think if people are, you know, sort of wondering why you're reserving judgment. There have been a ton of pitcher injuries this season um, because guys have not had that customary period to really get stretched out. Yeah, and like some pitchers were just throwing the entire time, but some of them weren't because they – I mean, if you're the Blue Jays, do you really want Hyunjin Ryu throwing all his innings when there's no games? I mean, <laughs> yeah, some guys only have so many bullets. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Like I said, there's something to monitor. If the next couple of times out it doesn't get better, then it's time to maybe worry a little bit. All right. So what I'm not worried about is having questions to answer. Um, so we're going to come back in just a second, and we're going to gather them together in a big pile, and then we're going to read them. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a good plan. All right, we'll be right back. Ah, yes, I have a a pile of virtual questions with small birds on them. Because (laughs) they only come in via Twitter. And uh, we play this noise. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Give me a chance to loosen up my back and wave my arms around while that plays. Um, <laughs> we, had, we had a couple questions from Aaron Pileski. Uh, Alfred has to be the first when the rosters are reduced to 28. Is Gavilio second? And then who are the next two after those? bold of him to assume we're going to get to the rust roster reduction point yeah uh let's just work under the assumption that we are well, especially because the next question just sort of asked <laughs> if that matters um i don't know if alfred is the first one i mean with with uh Grichuk out and also i don't think they're going to reduce the rosters i actually think they're going to stay at 30 all year just because of all the nonsense they're like they're they're doing seven inning double headers because they're gonna have to move the schedule around i don't see any way they can justify reducing the roster if that's the kind of thing they're going to be doing so i think that alfred is actually safe all season i I agree with this assumption sorry i agree with the assumption about the roster rule not ever coming into play yeah um as for gavilio i mean there's limited number of spots for pitchers once everybody's healthy. So I don't know. Look, I mean, Charlie Montone clearly really likes Sam Gavilio, but he's subjectively one of the two worst pitchers on the team right now. It's him and Shun Yamaguchi. So I'm very curious to see what they do there. One of those guys has that two-year contract. Uh Yeah. Okay, part two of the question. Do they end up in Miami? Does it even matter by then? So they play in Miami in the first week of September. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be many games in Miami, to be honest. But I, you know what? I also think that baseball is just going to soldier on, though. Like, it's very clear they don't care too much about any of this, really. So Which I think, yeah, they'll end up there. Kind of heartbreaking. But we'll, <laughs> we'll continue with that in, in our deep dive uh, yeah, after the we'll questions. we'll get back to this. <laughs> Uh, Kate Stanwyck at OK Stan is Thomas Hatch's success so far sustainable? Let me say probably not. Just well, it's hard to sustain not allowing any runs. 
Ding. <laughs> <laughs> but if the question is, is Thomas Hatch looking like a viable big league pitcher, starter even? I say yes. He's got the pitch mix. He's got the the stuff. I mean, he throws 95 pretty consistently, actually. He didn't have any much variability at all in his velocity. So, yeah, I think so. I think he's a, he, he's a guy that belongs in a big league rotation, whether it's going to be in this rotation remains to be seen because they still have Chase Anderson, Ryan Barucki. You know, there's options. But he looks good. And it's, it's, it's a bonus to have an extra pitcher who you don't know what to do with because these things tend to have a way of working themselves out over time. They sure do. Okay, I'll read you one. Sure. So Brian A. at BJR, so asked another Russ Adams-based question. I'm just going to read the second part of it. Is there a player that you remember who played their final game and went out with a bang, not a dud, like Russ Adams? So I don't know the statistics on the game, but the image of the game is is burned into my brain. Just, just part of, of uh, Jimmy Key tipping the cap after leaving the mound for the last time as a Blue Jay during the playoffs. Um, series. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I felt he left a winner. I, I like Jimmy Key so much because he wasn't ever trying to be overpowering or dominating, and he was left-handed, and I'm left-handed. And, and so, you know, emotionally I connected with him a lot of ways, and knowing – um, that he was going to go sign a contract somewhere, that he was going to get paid more money, and 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 this was it as a Blue Jay. It was one of the few times when I was aware of a guy leaving. I mean, if you want to leave a team, I feel like leaving your your start with your your team ahead in in the World Series is where you want to be at. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about my favorite player of all time, so I'm right, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, I'll throw in a couple more. And it's just easier with pitchers because they make an impact when they leave. It's A.J. Burnett and Roy Halladay both just, you know, A.J. Burnett, everyone knew he was opting out. He pitched eight innings and allowed one earned run, struck out 11 against the Yankees. I remember this. I was at the game. And he got a standing ovation. And Roy Halladay threw a shutout in his last game in Toronto. So those guys went out with bangs, I think. Not quite as big a bang as dominating in the pivotal swing game in the World Series, but still pretty good. I think it counts. I think they all count. Um, yeah, it's easier to go you, absolutely as a pitcher. I mean, you, you can't have your four home run game as a hitter um, or your three home run la- game as a hitter in your last game. It's just not that easy to do. Yeah, and it's like, you know, again, at first I thought it was like, Edwin Encarnacion hit that walk off against the Orioles. Oh, wait, they played two more postseason series after that. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not quite goodbye sometimes when you're a hitter because you tend to. Yeah. You know, if you don't win the game, you're just you're just extending the game for your team a lot of the time. Um, all right. So the last question, which there's the two there's, there's still Kevin Chase's question. Oh, as well. sorry. I'm, I'm you know, I can use the scroll wheel on my mouse, too. Um, Kevin asks, who will be the Blue Jays leader in home runs when the season concludes? Will it still be Teoscar Hernandez? Uh, if we're very cheeky, it might be that he has four and that's all he's going to need to leave the Blue Jays in home runs. <laughs> That is the cheeky, cynical, <laughs> but also semi maybe realistic answer. Um, I think it, but like, let's just again play this as though it, they play out the whole season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it could be right. I mean, power has never been his problem. No, I think you're like okay. So who who is going to take that from him? Um, obviously, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not the home run threat yet. So I, I think it would be, um, you know, premature. Could could Biggio catch him? 
Maybe? I don't think so. I don't think Biggio's got the power to do that. B- I saw a comment that Biggio might have the most home runs for the least amount of power in baseball. <laughs> because he just hits wall scrapers that are going like, – just because he hits so many fly balls. But I, I think if there's going to be someone, it's maybe – I think maybe Vlad, like if he just got hot, could catch him. Or like, you know, if, since they're playing, not having all these games, Gritchuk could come back and do it. But I, I mean, Jessica Fernandez would have to be the, like if there's betting odds, he'd have to be the favorite. That head start helps a lot, I think is what yep. we're saying. Uh, you want to give me the last question? Yeah. So this one from Luke, from Luke, hashtag ACAB at Split Letters. Will we see another Blue Jays game in 2020? Yes, we will. Will we see... 50 Blue Jays games in 2020? I personally don't think so. Yeah, it's hard to I mean, I, like I said, I think they're going to soldier on and just do whatever they can to get to the end of this, but because there's money involved. But yeah, it's... Oh, well, we can get into why I'm reacting without being able to give an answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So... This is the part where I would normally play the do-over noise, but that's when we're actually able to hand out a do-over. And man, would Major League Baseball like a do-over for the Miami Marlins situation. And they're in everything that is cascaded out of it. So we are up to, are we up to 18 players and two staff members on the Marlins who have tested positive for COVID-19? I think it's three staff members. I think it's 18 and three. They've got 21 total tests from the 21 Marlins. 21 now. Sorry, yeah. I... That's might as well be everybody. So Major League Baseball has a plague ship floating through its schedule. How did we get here seven games into the season? I mean, this was the dumbest thing ever. So a few Marlins players in those exhibitions that they were playing before the season started when they were in Atlanta went out on the town and you know, Atlanta has not good nightlife and they decided they want to take advantage of it, which stupid, right? Obviously like it's ridiculously dumb, but <laughs> just taking that as though they could happen move on. They had a couple players test positive. I think it was four players before a game and the players on the Marlins voted to play the game. How is that allowed? There is no sane process wherein um, there's an actual should we play decision with lying with anyone who is not uh, a neutral party following a preset guideline. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no same position where where it's not like you get the managers together and go oh well we have this many positive guys do should we play like or 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 the owners or any of that it's it's if you have a positive test as of this date then you don't play it's just a it should just be a rule there shouldn't be a decision making tree here how how is it not a rule although I mean <laughs> we saw the precedence for this in the very first game of the season opening day. Juan Soto tested positive and had been around his team. And they're like, no, let's just play it anyway, just without him. What? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's continued. And, and, and now the rule seems to be, oh, if you have a positive test, we need to postpone your game. 
Yeah, so I mean, like, I guess kudos for getting it to you know right the fourth time. I mean, yeah, I mean, so like, so the Marlins are shut down, and the Phillies, who played the Marlins in the midst of the Marlins mini little epidemic, they're shut down, and so the Blue Jays and the Nationals have nowhere to play, and then ugh. But there was no plan. There, there, nobody at Major League Baseball said, what if we have an outbreak? It's clear that nobody ever said that. I, I don't get that. Like, how is that not the first thing? Like, you have 113 pages of protocols. It shouldn't, like, protocol one, page one be, if there's a positive test, here's what we do. Shouldn't protocol number one be, if the Blue Jays aren't allowed to play... In Canada, this is where they're playing. <laughs> well, that's an entirely <laughs> different discussion. Thankfully, they got a home eventually. Um, I don't know, they just bungled this, completely bungled it. it I, but, I mean, even so, even if there's no somehow, which there wasn't, any protocol in place for MLB if there's tests, how is it up to the team to decide? I don't even get that. How is it not the league's decision to say you're playing or you're not? It's like, no, let's do a group text message. Like what? That's what my baseball team does when they want to see where people are meeting for a drink. (laughs) (laughs) The truth hurts, man. It hurts. But yes. So I think that the other part is once you pass that, horizon of having left all reason and accountability behind um it's very difficult to then draw the line and say okay well going forward we are going to be reasonable and accountable and have a process in place like there's just there's no credibility anymore for whatever happens yeah i think the marlins are here scrambling trying to put a team together so, everybody who gets waived, you're going to Florida. And here's the question. You're a career minor leaguer who doesn't have a major league contract. You get designated for assignment. The Marlins claim you or, or offer to sign you. So it's a difference between for, – for a guy potentially – I forget who was the example. But for a guy potentially of of your minor league stipend for the rest of the year of whatever it is, 400 bucks a week – or getting on a major league roster and making the the prorated part of $500,000 for the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, 230 grand or something. 200 grand. Yeah, well, I know what 230 grand means to me. That that's not chump change. And if you're sure not if you're a veteran and and this is, you know, you're on a minor league deal maybe because this is your last sort of go round, maybe you don't have a next year, maybe you're not sure if anybody's going to look at you next year. You know, how do you put your health on the line because you got claimed by the literal plague-ridden team? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, so Logan Forsyth signed with them. I was like, I wouldn't do that. You've made <laughs> plenty of money. You've made, you've had a career. Don't go there. Yeah, it's it's easier if you, you're looking at a guy who's made you know five or ten or twenty million over the course of his career to you know I think I'm going to hang it up, but. Um, but a guy who's right on the bubble, who maybe this is, you know, maybe he would be in a major league uniform except for all this weirdness. Man, I I think that's a, a horrible position to put people in. Yeah. And also with the schedule too, like one of the, some of the nonsense. So the Jays and the Nationals are both 
not playing because they were supposed to play the Phillies and the Marlins, respectively. Why not just let them play each other some more and can just not have the Jays play the Phillies? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, and okay, so then I, I agree with you in the principle of if you just want them playing baseball games so that we put some baseball games up and we have a product to sell, okay. But at what point do you go? Uh, these th- like the the size of the asterisks between whatever beside whatever ends up happening this season, if it is to conclude in some way, is so freaking large that. That, like, at what point is the World Series title diluted enough that nobody's that excited about it? Well, I think people will be excited about that regardless. But just, like, the schedule's not balanced to begin with. So who cares if it gets slightly screwed up, if it means they don't have to play? Like, right now the plan is when the Jays play the Phillies again to play six games in three days. I think, like, this is yeah. back to my league again. Like, this is senior ball. Mm-hmm. Like... Is it a tournament? What's going on here? And obviously the Marlins are, are not playing even 55 games at this point. You can't squeeze all the Marlins games back into the schedule. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do there. We'll definitely have to see how that goes before we... Well, we might be ragging on baseball again for whatever they do next with that. Yeah. So we, we have a humanitarian disaster here. Because, again, I know a lot of these guys are testing positive and they're just, you know, waiting for the test to come back. Um negative so they can play again because they didn't know they were sick or they're not very sick or whatever else but you also have there was a diabetic player today name escapes me again who announced he's opting out for the season because watching all this happen and knowing he's got type 1 diabetes and a compromised immune system yeah it's cole stewart with the orioles yeah what the hell is he doing out there yeah so we have the humanitarian disaster then we have the the financial implication disaster for guys and then we have that third disaster the actual you know nuts and bolts of the game and statistics and everything disaster so is there anything good going on here other than we get to watch guys dress up in funny colored uniforms and throw a ball around well no i mean other than actually watching baseball which is in itself something that people greatly enjoy me included and you included yeah uh no so yeah, I th- I think my problem with this is 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 all of that worth it for this? Well, the answer is definitely no, right? Like they yeah. should not be playing. But I mean, at least if they are playing, they should at least have been doing it better. I mean, that, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 again, I think um, there's there's been a lot of putting the you know oh the players need to be better at this and and that no. <laughs> No, the players well, should never have had that decision in the first place. Because if you if you well, give a bunch of random people a decision, some of them are going to make it wrong. You're you're leading us very nicely into the next thing with that comment. Uh, David Price. Well, what led to David Price? So you want to play our stinger? Uh, absolutely. We're we're handing out a gold star here, which is uh, this one. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. I think David Price is enjoying all of it. Um, From a tweet from Jeff Bassan, which said, Breaking MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred told the MLBPA Executive Director Tony Clark on Friday that if the sport doesn't do a better job of managing the coronavirus, it could shut down for the season. Sources tell ESPN. To which David Price replied with the the puzzled, chin-scratching face emoji twice. Because he's opted out of the season, and he's at home, and he's presumably safe in quarantine. 
Yeah, I mean, so Manfred was basically calling out the players here. It's like, the players deserve some blame, like 100%. But of all the people to be doing that, it probably shouldn't be Rob Manfred. Um, I think the response I saw to it that was the best was, uh, Rob, Mr. Manfred, sir, you are the sport. Yeah, you run it. <laughs> you are you are the, the governing body. The buck starteth and stoppeth with you. You literally make the rules that get the players on the field. So you're you're trying to call out the players, but you are ultimately calling out you. So what are you going to do about you in the coming weeks? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so it's Cardinals Brewers that got postponed today, right? Yeah, the, the, they're, they're postponed for one game because there were two Cardinals who tested positive while they do more testing. And if everyone keeps testing negative, then they might play on Saturday. What I don't understand is how that even make. Okay, we're just going to get down this rabbit hole over and over yeah, again. Let, back to David just, Price. Yeah, back to everything being stupid and David Price. Go ahead. <laughs> David Price has, I've seen several tweets from him. Essentially, he decided, and I, I said this, uh, I typed this to you earlier. He, I think he bought a rocking chair just to watch this go down because he had a pretty good idea of how much um, care and control Major League Baseball was going to have over this issue. From July 27th, he said, now we really get to see if MLB is going to put the player's health first. Remember when Manfred said players' health was paramount? Part of the reason I'm at home right now is because players' health wasn't being put first. I can see that hasn't changed. Yeah, and it's also not the first time he's used the puzzled face emoji over some stuff happening <laughs> with the COVID. And, like, I mean, he's definitely judging everything that's going on. And rightfully so. Yeah, because he, he, he put his mouth where his money was, if you will. He he yeah. decided to opt out because he didn't think it was safe. And lo and behold, he's absolutely right. It ain't safe. Yep. So you, David Price, were being self-aware and not trying to be macho about all this. Get our gold star. Um, you can come by and pick it up at my house after the quarantine border closing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Eventually. It, I'll keep it for you in a drawer somewhere. Oh, I think that gets us to the end of the podcast. Yes, it does. Which means I get to ask you if you have a final thought on things. I do. So the Blue Jays joined the uh, the chorus of getting the cardboard cutouts in uh, in Buffalo, so that there'll be the, the simulated fans, and the, it was sixty bucks a pop with the money going to, or at least it's in some of the proceeds. So hopefully it's a good chunk going to the Jays Care Foundation. I bought one for my mom, so my mom will be in the stands <laughs> if they ever play games in Buffalo. Uh, I'll give you my two favorite fake headlines from the week um number one was uh miami marlins announced four cardboard cutouts come uh, tested positive for coronavirus <laughs> uh number two is uh, major league baseball has announced that there will be a 14-day quarantine between bases i like it <laughs> <laughs> the ones from the onion i don't know where the other one's from uh we do have to laugh a little bit i think because otherwise we would all cry all the time so Thank you once again for listening in. Um, that is to say that you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 177, and we'll talk at you next week.